again, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three different generations, three hot takes. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle, and back from vacation ready to go. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids. Our partners include Main Street Pizza with locations throughout mid-Michigan, the Corona Connection, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, Card Service Michiana, and Promec Engineering. Thanks also to our syndication teammates, Sports Radio Detroit and Z92.5 The Castle. Listen, we really would love to hear your comments. We want to hear from you. Help us continue to grow, so subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, and the other podcasting sites. And certainly you can follow us on social media. Hit us up with your comments, questions, whatever, at 3 Point Pod. Well, guys, Dr. Blitz dialed it up versus Iowa at the big house. Ohio State is still great. We're going to recap the week, including my vacation, and mix in a little entertainment tonight. We're going to get it rolling right after these important messages. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get this rolling. I'll start it off since I had the week off last week. I'm uh, all refreshed, back from vac- vacation out east. Nice job to Matt and Jared. You guys did a great job carrying on in episode 89. But, of course, Jared, you always like to stir it up and uh, and, and stretch the truth, we'll say, all right? Let me get into that a little yeah. bit. You know, you know, when I'm not around and I don't have a chance to, uh, you know, to re- rebut your uh, your your declarations if you will i gotta have my chance right now now not first of all you mentioned about you know i see my granddaughters about every other week why would i want to do that you know they're one years old they don't do anything eh, i'll give you a little bit of that when they were about three months old but now that they're a year old they're walking they're tons of fun man that's that's almost enough enough entertainment to, to make me uh, get rid of hbo and put a little more gas in the car it's pretty good i was gonna ask you if you listen to the intro and if the like steam was just coming out of your ears, wishing that you could rebuttal, throw a rebuttal at Jared. Well, I did wish I could have done that, but to tell you the truth, I mean, I, I truly was laughing my butt off out loud. It was it was pretty good stuff. I have to admit. It's funny how you have the time to listen to the podcast, but you did not have time to call and talk on the podcast. Now, now see that is where the problems arise. Well, that's that's rebuttal part two, young man. Now, now, let me put it to you this way. First of all, I didn't even know you guys were recording on Sunday, number one. Number two, yeah, I did throw it out there that, you know, I'd probably take the week off, but I left it open that I'd be willing to call in. But, you know, I got to admit, 
you know, you young bucks, I, th- I think you were looking for your chance to kind of weed the old man out of the chair for a week, you know, run it yourself, get some of the glory. I get that. But I certainly, and it, the way it worked out since you recorded on Sunday after the Lions game, man, I could have hopped on. But then again, you know, if I'm not here and I'm not at the studios making it sound really good, I don't know what you recorded on, Jared. Was it a cassette tape player or what? What was the deal? <laughs> Without you, I have to use my computer to record is what we had to use because you could not call it. And you word it as if you left the door. You don't. Oh, no. The text numerate. You had planned on taking this week off for the longest time. Last (laughs) second, you you threw that out there just just to have this sort of backup plan. Oh, again. We're never, ever going to call it. Oh, my fake news once again. But that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. But I did take a week off. You're right. And, you know, uh, again, the comment was made. I take more days off than anyone. I've missed six or seven podcasts. Come on, man. What are you talking about? I missed one pod because of hip replacement surgery. I could have done that one if I didn't have to I could have if I didn't have to climb a hundred stairs to get up in the top of the studio. So I missed one week totally replacing my hip. That's not too bad. You know, I don't think that's too bad. And I missed one more. When I was on a Key West vacation, I truly did take a vacation that time. And then there was one other one I missed to be in the studio, but I actually recorded a spot. I don't know if you remember, I was in Washington, D.C. and and recorded about a five-minute spot. So so where's your six no. or seven missed podcasts um, coming from? Well, you missed one. Remember, remember when you were building your dock? Did I miss I a podcast? Not. I think we all missed one that week. Yeah. I think that might have been a week we all took off. Yeah, I only missed. I've only missed those two that I talked about, man. Hey, just keep missing days. I know we have a guy that's young and hungry, and Hondo Carpenter is just looking for the spot. So just keep missing days, and maybe that's the comment that I thought he'd he'd have the steam coming out of your ears with that one. No, I'll tell you the truth. I I actually had a chance to kind of reflect. I mean, it's probably and and this I'll give Jared some credit. We did a little texting back and forth, and uh, as much as I would like to get out there and and rip on individuals that are in the industry it's probably not the best thing to do right if i was just a if i was just a citizen oh my god i could get on here and just say you know so and so is the worst announcer ever i know matt you got your guys that you don't really care for but we are in the industry and i've i kind of had to take a step back and say you know what the rule to go by is if you don't have something good to say about anybody then don't say it so can you hit the crickets cue right there it really because i tell you what you talk about someone just punching uh just like a a dummy and i mean that in like a crash test dummy ted just throws shots at hondo whenever he has a chance there's never any he never about he never rebuts it he never does anything ted's just out here casting shots left and right oh my what did i tell you I told you it's you're punch you're punching down. Well, Not you hurt you hurt me when you said I was I was bullying him. And my goodness, uh, that that one hurt me <laughs> you bad. <kinda> are. <laughs> okay, well, I just I, I just got on your side. You're gonna bully me now. <laughs> Play the victim card. After you've been, you don't like it, do you? You don't like it. Oh, I don't care. Br- bring it on. <laughs> so you you enjoyed our little back and forth. We did all right. Yep, yep. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. Like you you sent us your notes and stuff. How you how you prepare for kind of driving the ship for our podcast yeah uh I, I definitely missed a few things you know I, I i read your notes over and i kind of jotted a few things down when i went back to edit it i was like oops missed that missed that missed that so so no you definitely do a good job it, it, it's it's appreciated that you're kind of the the host of the show if you want to say it that way well that's the other thing i was going to say matt i mean you know me and jared go at it but i like the way that you always have my back you're all right 
<laughs> and by the way, Jared, by the way, Jared, I got to add this in there. You know, I, I did also hear another comment about, oh, you were hoping that, you know, as I get older, I can uh, I can grow in this broadcasting business and and keep it going. Just to clarify. All right. I worked at one career for 37 years. I'm at my current real job five years. I probably got two to three more years on my real job, uh, but I am planning on continuing broadcasting games. I am planning on sticking with you three-point guys unless uh, unless you grand funk me out. You know, I, I don't. There's, there's always that possibility. So, you know, and I saw what it's like. You know, I don't know if you guys heard of Wally Pip. I was feeling a little bit like that last week, you know, missing the show. Heck, my consecutive streak was done for a while, and now, uh, you know, looking for the next gunslinger to come in here. It was kind of a last-minute decision to do it on Sunday night. I mean, I I texted Jared. I probably kind of forget right before the Lions game and just said, you want to do this tonight? And Yeah, you didn't copy me. You didn't copy me on that. you You didn't copy me. I had no idea. You didn't even watch the game. No, but I will tell you this. I, I heard your comments, and I, this was one of those times where I just wish I was with you guys talking about it because I, you know, when you're in the car for a long time, I drove out east, so I had plenty of time to listen to Sirius Radio. I listened to uh, Michigan State uh, on Saturday on my way to Pennsylvania. On Sunday, I was in Virginia and then listened to the Lions until the last two minutes. I got to my destination and watched the final two minutes because it was a long game, and the networks went to that game. Uh, we don't want to talk much about the Lions, so you covered that pretty well, but uh, man... You know, as they're playing so good right now, but again, they're still finding ways to, to lose lion style, if you will. You know, the 99-yard kickoff return. I heard you talk about Galladay, Jared. 100% agree. What what the hell are they thinking? It's the NFL. They're professionals. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you're happy they're playing really well. They've won some big games, but still, what? They're two one and one. Right. I, it feels like easily they could be four and zero. Oh. So it, it is just another lion's way to not be undefeated. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not gonna lie. It kind of sounds like we ruined your vacation. More, more, well, I guess me more so. And I was just I was living in your head all all weekend. <laughs> nope, just that day. That's all. So vacation was good do? though. What, you listened to the pod. You, you laughed a little bit and took some notes for things you wanted to say when you came back, but. Yep, Overall, yep. good vacation. Good vacation. Charge, recharge yeah. the batteries, if you will. Well, you know, when you go on vacation, I don't know about if you find that out, Matt. I mean, Jared's never really had a vacation. His whole life's been a vacation. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, when you go on vacation and you go to different destinations, I'll tell you briefly about it. Nobody wants to hear my whole boring facts of, of, of my vacation. But I did have some highlights I'll touch upon. It was great. But the thing is, if you do a vacation right you're tired. You're ready. When you go back to work, you know, it's kind of vacation, you know, because you're, you're wore out. Is that is that the right way to vacation, though? Like when people go to Europe and they go to like 14 different countries and stuff like that. I'm not sure that's the way to do it. Well, I think the way to do it is how you've done it in the past, where you just go down to Florida. There are two ways. There are two vacations. You're exactly right. Now, this one was more of packing in a whole bunch of stuff in a relatively short time. And I've also done the vacation like when we went to the Keys and Key West, where, you know, it was beach time, margaritas, just chill out. Those are really nice to recharge, for sure. But they both have their places. So let me let me just go through briefly my last week. You know, and I seem to be hogging it here. So guys, jump in anytime. It all started out last Saturday. And guess what? Last Saturday was my granddaughter's, Parker's, first birthday party. So we went down to Royal Oak and helped her celebrate her first. And uh, the traditional, and I think, Jared, you're against this, but the traditional cake dive was an epic cake dive of all time. <laughs> 
Oh, we laid out the cake in front of her. It had red frosting and a little difference between the two granddaughters I have. Harper, the older one, she's very delicate when it comes to getting her hands messy, you know, and getting anything on her. Parker dove in with both hands, smushed the cake all over her face as she was eating it, and and she did it upright. So that, that was worth a bunch of laughs for especially us elderly people that were there. When you were watching that cake get crushed, were you secretly like, damn it, <laughs> that cake crushed? Nope. They had, she had, Jessica's very well thought of when she, when she puts plans together, she had cupcakes for everybody, you know, after that. So, so so we didn't have to dig into that. Uh, Saturday again, listen to the Michigan state, Indiana game. I mean, you know, the Spartans were lucky to get out of that one, but they did get the win. Then, uh, you know, we didn't really have arrangements that night to stay. So we ended up finding a room in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, uh, about 1130 at night, bad move. Bad move. It was a Super 8. It was like Shit's Creek's Motel. It was awful. In fact, when I checked in, I had to go back down to the front desk and say, hey, you got to give me a different room. This thing was, it was, it was nasty. Just So nasty. you're one of those people. Oh, listen, if you go to a, if you go to a hotel room and there's a big round stain on the comforter, what are you going to do? You going to sleep in that room? Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> so the next day was Sunday. You know, I, vi- I, vi- I visited some Alana's relatives in uh, the Baltimore area. Like I mentioned on the way there, listen to the Lions. And I'm a radio guy. You know, I think we've all dabbled in it some, obviously. This podcast really is a glorified radio show. There's still something about listening to a game with pros on the radio uh, describing the action. I mean, it's it's just about as be- as good as being there. Don't you guys agree? I think part of that, too, is that most of the time if you're listening to a radio call, it's like home. they're homers. You know, so yeah. if you're not listening. If you're listening to the Lions radio call, I did. You know, it, it's guys who are Lions fans, so that definitely helps. But yeah, it, it is cool. They're play-by-play guys, top top of the line, and you know, Lomas Brown. You know, his delivery sometimes a little bit tough to listen to, but he really brought some good stuff to the broadcast. He knows what he's talking about, so that was fun to listen to. And it was disappointing, though, obviously, the way the outcome came. Monday. We did the whole tourist thing in Philadelphia, did uh, the Liberty Bell, Independence Hall, where the where the uh, uh, Declaration of Independence was actually signed. And I got to tell you guys, you get some chills. You know, I'm a history guy. I love history. And when you're actually standing in that room, you know, where the 13 colonies got together and said, you know what, we're not putting up with any of England's crap anymore. We're breaking off. And, and we're going to have our own country. And if it takes a revolution, damn it, we're going to do it. I mean, think about the cojones that took for those those people that put that all together. I mean, it just kind of gives you chills when you're standing in that room and that document was signed. And they they still had some of the, the furniture that survived back then. It, that was a, That's the first time I've ever done that, and it was really cool. It is cool. And there's a lot of that stuff on the East Coast. Uh, living in New England for five years, I did some of that touristy type stuff, you know, Back with the original 13 colonies, some of that stuff. Yeah, you, you get goosebumps or whatever, so it, it's cool to see that stuff. Well, wrapping up the trip, then we spent uh, Tuesday and Wednesday and then headed out Thursday morning, but we spent the rest of the time in New York City. Um, you know, we took a Gray Line tour down to the Statue of Liberty. Uh, for a minute, I thought I was Matt in line at Madison Square Garden because some dude tried to scam us 
on Statue of Liberty tickets, get this. We get off the bus, and I don't know if you guys have, have been to the Statue of Liberty area. It's got a really nice park, and you go down to a pavilion to get your tickets and hop on the boat to get over to the island. Well, as soon as we got off the bus, this dude came up to me and says, Hey, you looking for Statue of Liberty tickets? I said, Yeah, yeah, we're going to walk up here and get them. He says, Oh, that's for all reserve people. He said, And he had this badge on. He points to the badge. He says, Don't worry, I'm official. <laughs> and, and he says... Uh, <laughs> He goes, I, I can get you in for 35 bucks, and I and I will have to admit this, guys, both Lana and I, oh, we kind of were starting to think like we might go that route. And then we said, well, you know, he said 35 bucks cash each. And I said, well, we're, we're going to pay with our credit card. We're paying everything with our credit card. Oh, well, well, I can take you up here. You can go to an ATM. And then right there I knew this, this isn't going to work out. So I, we started to walk down the sidewalk, and uh, this guy was relentless. He, he just stayed on my ass. Uh, and, and he says, he said, he, he got on this fake walkie talkie. He goes, one, two, three, one, two, three. And he hollers over to another guy. He says, hey, is the ATM open yet? And the guy goes, no, not yet. <laughs> and you could see, man, they're working together. So I finally said, hey, man, we're going to think about what we're going to do here. I'm going to hit the bathroom first. He said, oh, the bathrooms are closed. That's for reserve people. I said, well, I could see the, I, I could see people walking right there to where I know the bathroom is. So finally I said, listen, pal, get away from me. And he goes, well, I should charge you right now for making me leave my station. So I didn't shell it out, Matt. Didn't shell it out. <laughs> Smart move. Uh, yeah, it was. It, you learn a little bit on the road. So anyway. Having the, um, not having cash on you, the credit card excuse, has gotten me out of a lot of uh, <laughs> homeless pers- people begging for money. It does work, doesn't it? It, it kind of does work. Yeah. But then you feel bad. I well, you do for know. for the homeless that really need it. So, you know, sometimes I've been known to buy a burger and then come back out and hand it to them. You know, I don't always like to hand out change, but that's always the thing. It, it, when people ask you, this is a little side, it, but like when they ask you, "Hey, I need this for gas or I need this for food," it's like, "Okay, cool. Let me go buy you some food and I'll give it to you, or let me right. get your gas for you." And then then you see what they really want. They're like, "No, no, no. I just want the money." And it's like, "Okay, never mind." Yeah, it's, and in fact, it's funny you brought that up because we got scammed on the way home. Almost scammed. It was a quick quick attempt. We were at a rest area on the turnpike, and, you know, some lady in a kind of a beat-up truck, she says, Sir, sir, can you help me? And I knew what it was. She's going to say something like, well, I ran out of gas. I don't have the money right here, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's a that's a famous rest area scam. And what I like to do is say, oh, okay, well, let me call 911. I'll see if we can get an officer here to help you out. Usually they shut right up and get away. Yep. So anyway, one of the same guys who's known, who's quote-unquote, known to buy a burger and hand it out. Well, you, you can tell the difference. You know that, Jared. When you're in a city and you see somebody that has no shoes on, they got all their belongings in a sleeping bag, man, you, you got to feel compassion for those people, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the scammers that I can't stand. So a couple other... People, these people, man, talk about a fish out of water. They see you and they think, what a sucker. Right. And it does come, that comes with age too. I mean, you're relatively young, obviously, and you're, you're going to, you're going to get a lot more seasoned when you're out and about. But, you know, I have been a salesman for many years and I've, I've pretty much seen it all. And, and boy, they have scams out there. They, some of them sound really good. Uh, finally, I'll wrap up this segment, guys, just to, to tell you again about that Gray Line tour. We took a, a an open top bus down to uh, the Statue of Liberty, got back on it afterwards. Uh, but before we did, you know, we did the uh, the Statue of Liberty tour in Ellis Island where they brought in all the immigrants. Let me tell you, man, I, it's just kind of like it was in Philadelphia. When, when it all sinks in and you realize these people came to the United States 
to better themselves, to, to have a better life. You know, the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island was was the symbol, uh, you know, of freedom. I mean, it just, it just all comes to a head when you're standing there and, and you're getting everything explained to you by a national park ranger, which, by the way, if you ever do these vacations and, and see these national sites, I highly recommend. It's free. You just make sure you take the tour with a na- with a national park ranger. They give you all the insight that you really need to know, and it went really well. So that was basically it, guys. I also we saw a play, and I'll tell you more about that when we get to entertainment tonight. But but my trip, in a nutshell, if you want to call this fifteen minute thing a nutshell, went really well. So. <laughs> oh, it's good. I'm glad you're recharged, and I mean to take a page out of Jared's book. I'm glad you actually made it onto the podcast. I guess. <laughs> there you go. You know. No, I actually, I'm actually, I was actually thinking about this. It's funny how Matt really hasn't said this himself. When Matt's been on vacation at Disney World, which we know how big of a sacrifice that is for him. It takes away from his time with Mickey Mouse and Daffy Duck and all those guys. He calls in, but yet you do not. When you are basically just driving. It seemed like you were driving for the majority of this trip. Uh, again, if, if you had any kind of recording device that could put it together, I mean, you would think, and again, I'm not going to really dog on Matt, but I mean, Mr. ESPN, you can't come up with a studio to use, or Jared, you work in a television station and a radio station, you can't come up with a with a recording thing? Come on, that thing sounded popcorn-y. I was going to try and snag a studio, but didn't think that, you know, we're not sponsored by ESPN. I didn't think that would be a good idea. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a break there, but Jared's the one that was dogging on me, man. I told you I could have called in. Were you able to put together a three-way call? Yes. Was I notified that uh, you were recording on Sunday? Stop trying to spin this around. No spin. <laughs> is that a fact or is it? It's a simple yes or no answer. It's a yes or no answer. When when you miss six or seven pods, you lose the. <laughs> when you lose miss a pod because you're building a kayak deck. Or, then you lose a little bit of the leeway that you once had. Well, you lose a lot of credibility when you just flat out lie too. So, I'm, did you did you or did you not miss a podcast because you were building a deck? Did you hear Matt uh, say we all missed it? I didn't. I didn't cancel it. We all took Why the week you off. Canceled. We don't have a studio. To tell you the truth, I don't even remember the details on that one. But but you're still saying six or seven. You sticking to that? Uh, yes. Can we, get, can we get to the rest of the football now? <laughs> all right, let's get into some sports. We were going to spend only a few minutes on your vacation. We didn't spend 30. Sorry, it'll, it can be edited. Uh, before we get into sports, I just want to tell people, Advanced Elevator Company, they feature top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators, an area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a very proud partner of Three Point Podcast. Also, the CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up all keep up to date on all that is Corona at the CoronaConnection.com. All right, one of you two guys start it off. I've talked enough. Well, I mean, you kind of laid it out. Dr. Blitz, Don Brown, and, and Michigan's defense, they showed up yesterday for Michigan. And, you know, I know Jared loves him some Dr. Blitz, and we've also criticized him a little bit with some of the games that he's gotten torched. I mean, you guys watch the game, I would assume, and I don't know what you guys think, but the defense actually looks improved. The offense still, I don't know, looks like they're stuck in mud. Perfectly. You broke it down perfectly. Okay. I came to a realization this weekend when I watched that Iowa-Michigan game, and it's kind of been slowly forming, as I mentioned last week, this offense. Did we force Jim Harbaugh to do something that was not smart? Because remember when we were – how good Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Shea Patterson looked last year. 
Was that because they were actually good players, or is that because Jim Harbaugh had this NFL offensive system where NFL quarterbacks would go to him and like study film with him? We, the media, Matt, Ted, I, we were all happy when they switched the offense this year. But I think we're starting to learn that's a real problem, and I know that this doesn't make sense with how good they looked on Saturday, was the defense last year. I mean, we put up 39 points on Ohio State last year, and we just saw yesterday that they're a pretty damn good good defensive program. It was our defense that was the problem. And for some reason, I don't know why we did it. We decided that we were going to force Jim Harbaugh to change the offense, and that change was needed. It was it was needed, but it wasn't needed on the offensive side of the ball. Imagine how good this team would look right now with this defense playing the way it is if we had just let Jim Harbaugh keep things the way they were and have that defense like tweak a few things where they're not playing man-to-man all the time, play a little bit more zone, just like Ohio State is doing this year. Imagine we wouldn't have lost to a Wisconsin team. We wouldn't be in a dogfight with Iowa. When, when in the past has Michigan celebrated wins against Iowa? That's when you know this program has, is facing some trouble, when we are basically parading around loving this Michigan team because they beat Iowa at home. Iowa's horrible. They're a bunch of frauds. They lose every ranked game. Kirk Ferentz loses every big game, basically. So I don't know why we're so happy. Matt, you were tweeting up Storm. I, you need to explain this to me. Maybe I'm missing something here. It was Iowa. I mean, Iowa, they're, they're not terrible. I mean, they're also not going to win the Big Ten this year. They're not going to contend for a national championship, obviously. But, I mean, they're, they're a legitimate team. They, I think they'll probably finish top 25. But Kirk Ferentz is clearly, like, one of the better coaches in the Big Ten. So, yeah, you're not going to sit here and, like, act like they just beat Ohio State. But it wasn't a win over Illinois either. And, I mean, I, I kind of disagree with the, the Jim Harbaugh on the offense thing because I saw something on MGO blog that it was breaking down Shea Patterson's last, basically his whole career at Michigan. And the offense was maybe a little better last year. So I do kind of like, I kind of get what you're trying to say there with, you know, changing the play calling. But the offense wasn't like, they didn't look like Ohio State's offense or anything last year. The offense wasn't that great last year. Right, the defense was probably masking a lot of that because the defense last year was one of the best in the country. But, I mean, I'm, I do still like Shea Patterson. I think he's still, like, a solid quarterback. I think he's, like, a nine-win quarterback. I don't know if he's a quarterback to win the Big Ten. But I, I definitely think a change was needed on offense because, so okay, it hasn't been great. Gaddis still has some stuff to learn. But I don't think Harbaugh was going to take them, I guess, to the promised land, if you want to say that. So I'm not mad at the offensive change. I think they still just have some stuff to work out. What do you think the biggest uh, problem is with the offense? Because, I mean, they could have just tweaked it a bit from last year, but they brought in, you know, Gaddis, a whole new philosophy, and, and it's supposed to be this whole wide-open you know, RPO thing, and they just don't seem to be running it. But it's not all Shea Patterson. We can't run the ball. I mean, Zach Charbonnet, look at this stat line. Remember how good you guys said he was, like week one? 13 carries for 42 yards, 3.2 average. Everyone wants Shea Patterson replaced with McCaffrey, which is just the dumbest thing ever. Matt's even calling for Millen. Look in the mirror at the rest of the team. This offensive line's horrible, and this running game is horrible. It's not all Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson is the one player I like on this team. He's not even good. But at least he has, like, some swag. Someone you actually want to like root for. The rest of this team doesn't. No one on this team is a difference maker. I don't yeah, know. I, just, I think that's part of the problem. Is I think there are a lot of different potential difference makers on this team. The receivers, you know, Charbonnet is a true freshman, but he has shown flashes of being a difference maker. But yeah, the, the offensive line is definitely one of the things they had a, a bunch of basically the whole offensive line returning, all, all conference, all Big Ten performers. This was supposed to be one of the best offensive lines we've seen in a long time. So you have to wonder if trying to learn this new offense. 
you know, they're in a new scheme, but by whatever, we're in week five or six, you would hope that they have it figured out by now. Um, the, the offensive line has definitely been a little disappointing. I don't know what, what's going on, though, because, you know, they'll, they'll do a drive, like the, the one touchdown they scored yesterday, that one drive, the drive started, I'm sure you guys remember, with a 51-yard bomb to Nico Collins. Yeah. And that was like the that was the only time we saw a deep ball like that. So I don't know if it's they're calling the plays for Patterson and he's just not pulling the trigger, or if they don't trust him, so they're not calling those plays. You know, I don't know. And then there was another drive that they went like bang, bang, bang down the field. They ended up missing a field goal, but they hit all three receivers: Collins, Peoples Jones, and Tariq Black for like 15, 20 yard first down passes. Moved down the field quickly, had a couple decent runs, but then we like didn't see that again. So I don't. I mean, watching Michigan State even runs an RPO offense better than what Michigan is right now with Lewerke. You see him pulling and running, doing rollouts and do all that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, for a few games, I'm sitting here saying Gaddis is learning how to play call. He's never been the primary play caller. Harbaugh looks like he gave him the keys to the offense. Here you go, it's yours. But, yeah, after a while, you know, you either have to say, you know, we got to make a move on offense if you don't trust Shea Patterson to run the whole offense – or this just isn't going to work because the offense isn't doing much right now, that's for sure. I wonder if Jared is right. Can you believe that I said that? I wonder if he's right that, uh, that you know, Shea Patterson's head's all messed up. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder because like, last year, you know, people were criticizing Harbaugh with his offense being too conservative. And, you know, Patterson's supposed to be this running around, gunslinger, Johnny football type quarterback. Okay, let's bring in this, you know, new young offensive coordinator that's going to open up the offense a little bit so now are like are they actually doing that though you don't see him rolling out a whole lot you don't right. see i mean they ran like a sprint option a couple times yesterday yeah i don't know is it a confidence thing or what i just want to see him take shots like you're you know you were saying about me calling for joe milton yeah i'm not saying that joe milton's going to like win the heisman or something my point is is like shea patterson hasn't been blowing the doors off this offense you know He's done okay. He's done enough to win a few games last year, and you know he's won a few games this year. He's not blowing the doors off these teams. So maybe spark a fire under some of these guys' asses and make a change. Who knows? If Milton comes in, maybe he'll at least air it out. He's got a big arm. Maybe he'll at least throw it deep to these receivers. Why would you recruit these receivers if you're not going to use them? Well, they have to get open, first of all. You think it's all Patterson's fault? that? Uh... Well, that's the thing. When Harbaugh was calling the plays last year, there's a reason Harbaugh was this celebrated coach when we hired him because he's pretty damn good and he knows what he's doing on offense. I mean, he took Jake Rudock and Will and Spite and made them look like pretty damn good. Yeah. I don't know why we had this media spin where it was basically Harbaugh needs to find a new coordinator or he's out. Just let him do what he was doing. It's so much better than what we're watching now. And as I said last week, Matt, you're sitting here saying, oh, Gaddis. You're not sure whether he just needs to have a few more games under his belt or if he just has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea what he's doing. Like I said last week, put a horse head in his bed with a note that says, resign by Monday or else. That's the only way to solve this issue. So you're saying just throw him out the door right now. I mean, they, they're giving him a chance. Uh, there's still some time to turn this around, but but you're, you're saying right now definitively Gaddis is not the guy. No, not at all. He's not the guy. I mean, what else do we need to see here? Okay. Yeah, I want to see if they actually do adjust. I want to see, you know, they play Illinois this coming up weekend. 
Should be a W. It should be a game that they can work some kinks out. Hopefully, McCaffrey's cleared of his concussion so he can get on the field. I think I'm definitely. I I still like Jim Harbaugh. I'm, I'm not on the fire Harbaugh. He's trash. He's overrated. All that. I'm not one of those. But I think what you would have seen. If, if Harbaugh just kept being the primary play caller on offense, it's kind of like what's going on in Michigan State where they're going to be good enough to win seven, eight, nine games. But as long as D'Antonio, if, as long as he's around and keeps the same staff calling plays, that's going to be like as good as they are. And, and that's, I feel like that's what Jim Harbaugh would have been. He was, yeah, he's very good offensive play caller, you know, designing plays and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, he did it for four years. And, yeah, that offense with Jake Rudock actually was really good. They had a lot of talent, you know, receivers and tight ends and everything. I don't know why they haven't been able to duplicate that because I feel like this offense actually has more talent this year. I don't know. You hear Urban Meyer every time. He's taking a shot, definitely. He's definitely taking a shot at Harbaugh oh, yeah. every pregame when he talks about how much talent Michigan's offense has and they can't figure it out. It's cool to hear him, you know, say that, give Michigan some praise, but he's definitely taking a shot at Harbaugh, you know, saying, like, why can't you figure this out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just something that you want Shea Patterson. You want to win eight or nine games, I think that's what Shea Patterson's going to be. If you want to see what Dylan McCaffrey can do, if you want to see if Joe Milton, maybe he all of a sudden comes in and, you know, starts throwing the ball all over the field, give it a try. Because uh, Shea Patterson, to me, he's just not, he's, he's not like a needle mover. He's going to be a solid quarterback. Ted, you said it best. There's a reason Milton's third string. I mean, we're not sitting there watching every practice. He must be horrible in these practices and not get a shot. McCaffrey, have we ever seen him complete a pass in a game? I don't know why everyone has this, like, glowing Dylan McCaffrey because he ran for, like, a 50-yard touchdown against Wisconsin, which we put, like, 50 points on last year, by the way. I don't know what the obsession is with McCaffrey. I mean, when when McCaffrey, last year's Notre Dame game, when Shea Patterson got hurt, and McCaffrey came in. He moved the ball down the field quickly. He was completing passes in his garbage time last year. He, you know, he was completing some passes. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. It's not like when he's come in in garbage time, he's just like all of a sudden thrown for 200 yards. I think it's a lot of like uh, potential. People think that he has a lot of potential, which he does. I mean, and I also think like yeah, he's a, Milton's a third stringer, but being a third string in that QB room might not necessarily be a bad thing because you have a senior in Shea Patterson former five-star recruit, and then Dylan McCaffrey, who's this, like, huge recruit also coming in. So, like, being a third string in that QB room might not be a bad thing. And it might be Harbaugh's stubbornness because he is just sitting here over and over and over backing Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson's our quarterback. He, our offense is hitting our stride. He said <laughs> yesterday in the postgame. That was, that was unbelievable. Oh, I mean, maybe, yeah, that maybe that's part of why Milton is the third stringer because Harbaugh is just stubborn and, you know, wants to start a senior quarterback. I actually loved what Harbaugh had to say after the game. When he said, I think we're hitting our stride, and then the reporter asked, in what ways? He said, every way. <laughs> you just got to sometimes bitch your cap, too. Just a funny response. That makes no sense whatsoever, but it's just funny. I would have laughed if I was in that room, in every way. That's our court, or that's our coach right there, man. Yeah, I mean, he's going to, whether he actually believes that or not, who knows, but he's, he's going to give the reporter something to tweet about or something to write about because he's always going to say something off the wall exactly I, I did like what i saw out of the i mean the defense you know they've started to they've brought some young guys in dax hill's finally getting some time cam McGrone's getting some time so like the defense looks good like what it was crazy nate stanley i was quarterback had no no interceptions coming into yesterday's game they picked him off three times eight i was rush offense they were averaging like 215 yards a game coming into yesterday's game they only rushed for one yard yesterday so the the defense did ball out I, i'll be curious to see them 
in two weeks against Penn State. That's going to be a yeah, big exactly. test. Yeah, exactly. Harbaugh's the king, of, and Don Brown especially, is the king of beating bad teams, which is why I think that Iowa is bad. Because the way we dominated them, if they were a good team, that doesn't happen. That's not the Michigan way. That's not the Michigan I know, shutting out good teams. So, Well, we'll it remains to be seen. We'll see when they play the big boys. That's coming up on the schedule, and it, it's going to be very interesting. They certainly have not uh, overwhelmed us with skill this part of the season. but like, Yeah, so I guess that's what I mean. So, like, you guys don't sound really too enthused about how they're playing, so why are you guys stuck on playing Shea Patterson? Like, why not give someone else a shot? Well, I'm not as I'm, I'm not I know bad. How bad I'm, those other guys are. Yeah, I'm not as bad as Jared, but no, Joe Milton in that situation yesterday, no. <laughs> McCaffrey, hey, if if Patterson's struggling, I I don't see any issue at all pulling the trigger with him. He's he's legit. No. He's legit to me. I'd actually rather see Milton than McCaffrey. Really? I am so out on McCaffrey. He has not shown me anything. He just looks like a guy who he's the classic. He's 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 that backup quarterback that the grass is always greener. Wow! And then there's going to be the time when we finally pull the trigger with him, and it's just going to be horrible. Well, next year, right? I mean, I I hope it's this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's hope that the uh, transfer portal uh, maybe brings us in a new guy. Well, we need we need some new blood in that quarterback room. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Anything else we want to get into on the Wolverines? I feel like that's. So what Jared just said is like a tweet that should be tweeted out to freezing cold takes. I feel like that's something. I mean, McCaffrey might come in, and he might be better than you expect, Jared. I think you're the one that's more – with how high you are, I Joe Milton. I don't think he might not ever, ever see the field for Michigan. See, that's, that I'm not necessarily high on him. I'm just not very high on Shea Patterson, and I'm saying, hey – if Milton is like complete trash, then that's com- that's a completely different story. If Harbaugh just does not want him on the field, okay, I get that. But if they're still saying like he he's there, he's going to play at some point. Patterson's not going to win the way that he's playing right now, unless all of a sudden something clicks in his head and he starts playing better. The way he's playing right now, he's not going to win the Big Ten. They're not beating. They probably won't beat Notre Dame. They probably won't beat Ohio State. They probably won't beat Penn State. The way Patterson is playing, I'm just simply saying. You said it. What was it last week? It's insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. You're going to keep trotting Patterson out there so he doesn't know how to run the RPO and keeps throwing interceptions left and right. Like, that's that's insanity to me. Give another guy a shot. It's Gaddis, though. It's Gaddis. We know it. Stop trying to, to make a scapegoat out of Shea Patterson. It is Gaddis. Get him out. Yeah, that- and, and maybe that's our fault. Maybe we just have ourselves to blame. We forfeited this year because we decided that we knew how to coach the well better than Jim Harbaugh. That's our fault. Hand up on that. I thought it was a good hire when we brought in Gaddis. I remember saying on this podcast that as long as Jim Harbaugh gives Gaddis the keys and just lets him do what he wants, we'll be good. I, I was so wrong. And hand up on that one. So, so, so wrong. Well, and I think, is horrible. I think it's kind of a combination myself. I mean, I, I, I don't think you throw all the blame on Patterson, but I think you throw blame on Gaddis, Patterson, the rest of the team. We've said it before. They all got to look in a mirror. You know, one guy can't do it all. And they got to start executing. They got to start playing like they need to. And maybe, maybe there's a little bit with Gaddis and his offensive schemes. Very, very possible. I don't know. If, I don't know if Patterson's still banged up at all. But if you look back to last year, didn't he have a pretty good season until the Ohio State game? Like he, he has like a solid season. I guess that's my point. Like he, he's a good quarterback, but it just like in my opinion, he's not like a Justin Fields or a Joe Burrow type of quarterback no. that's just gonna tear it up and score 50, 60 points a game like some of these guys are. Like He's, he's going to win you eight or nine games to me. Like He's a solid quarterback. 
Well, we'll see. Maybe, maybe he'll change my mind. I don't know. We'll see. They got Illinois next week, and you know, let's uh, let's talk a little Spartan football here in just a second. But uh, again, I want to remind people: go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. The auction house always packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Sign up for e- email notifications or call Troy Crow at nine eight nine seven two zero sell for other details and also rivals tap house and grill that's the official sports bar of three point podcast stop in anytime especially football weekends cheer on the spartans wolverines and lions also don't forget the first of the month party five buck burgers and chicken sandwich baskets dollar bottled beer all kinds of good stuff going on awesome food and drink rivals tap house and grill in Corona. All right, guys, a lot of people going into the game in Columbus with the Spartans going down there. They've actually played Ohio State pretty tough the last few years. Thought maybe they could pull one out, but uh, first observation, which I think we're all in agreement, what we've seen so far out of Ohio State, they're just a step above everybody else. I mean, they're they're a playoff contending team for sure. Yeah, they could get upset. Everybody can get upset sometime. But the way they're playing right now with fields and that defense, the running game, you know, the coaching hasn't missed a beat. Ohio State's cream of the crop. New, Like you said, new quarterback coming in. I mean, new head coach. He was the offensive coordinator. But, you know, a new head coach. And I think they had three or four new offensive linemen this year. Haven't missed a beat. That's what's frustrating. Why, why, why can't Michigan do that? <laughs> right. The, the talent disparity was so huge on Saturday night. I mean, it basically took Michigan State everything they could handle just to keep, like, Ohio State. You knew that it was only a matter of time before, like, the hurricane like exploded. And Michigan State was just biding time in that first quarter, just waiting for it to explode. And, fellas, the dam burst. It exploded. Yeah, I will say, like, uh-huh. I, I saw Jared tweeting about, you know, Michigan State's elite defense. Or we talked about it last week on the podcast you know, taking a shot at, you know, Michigan State, all we've heard all offseason. We even said it. Their defense is elite, one of the best in the country. And, you know, so obviously they, they didn't necessarily look like it yesterday. But I, I can't believe I'm, like, kind of trying to defend Michigan State. But like, the one thing I will say to that, I do still think their defense is one of the best in the country. But it's like, you know, they're going – Ohio State's offense look, looks absolutely ridiculous right now, probably, you know, the best in the country. And so, it, it, to me, that's kind of like – Okay, you would have liked to see Michigan State, you know, Ohio State scored 34. You would have liked to see them hold Ohio State to less than 34 points. But it's like if a team goes up against Justin Verlander and gets shut down, you almost just, like, tip your cap. That doesn't mean that your team sucks because Justin Verlander shut you down. You're just going up against one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I feel like maybe that, like, I don't think yesterday's game means Michigan State's defense is trash. I think Ohio State is just that good. That was, a, that was a lot of good points you raised, Matt. Uh, I really like the comparison you made, Justin Verlander. You know how that doesn't mean the team sucks. Well, this team sucks. Okay. All offseason, all we heard about was how this defense was so elite. Some analysts even said it was the best defense in the country. First, they gave up 31 points to Michael Penix Jr. <laughs> in Indiana. And he looked like Michael, and he looked like Johnny Menzel reincarnated in that game. 33 completions, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. Just to recap, and then Ohio State comes out and puts up 24 points in one quarter and runs for a zillion yards. This defense is not elite. They're not even good. They're middle of the pack. Remember how every Michigan State fan has been saying, and Joe Janka on this podcast has said this, if this offense is just middle of the pack, then watch out. Like We're going to win the Big Ten. Well, this offense is middle of the pack. Brian Lewerke played pretty well yesterday. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit knows more than I do, and he was basically coming in his pants watching the rookie make a few throws. 
but yet they get blown out by Ohio State. And I know everyone says Ohio State is just that good, but, well, who, where, who are you trying to beat if you're Michigan State? I mean, they're in the Big Ten. It's not like they're gods. They lost, they, they lost a lot of players from last year. They just they refilled them. But this is who you should be beating. And if you have this elite defense, you should be able to put up a little bit better of a fight than letting them gash you, just gash you with anyone. Their backup running back, a guy named Master Teague, 14 carries for 90 yards, 6.4 average. Their backup. I mean, they were running every which direction, and I loved every second. <laughs> but my overall takeaway, this defense is elite. This defense is not elite, I mean. And we need to stop tricking ourselves. They duped us. They duped us like they do every year. Every offseason, because their team sucks, they have, the state fans have been clinging to that no-fly zone of 2010 for the last, like, 30 years. And they tried to trick us, but they duped us. They did. I thought they were a good defense. They're not. They're bad. Whole now, team's bad. You think their defense is bad? You don't think they're at least good? Middle of the pack. Middle like, of the pack. I would say Michigan has a better defense than them. And Michigan defense is horrible. Interesting. <laughs> that was about my response to that. Defense. Interesting. I'm add yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe, maybe they aren't as good as advertised. I think the front seven. Yeah. Okay. Ohio State. What I'm looking. They. I actually laughed when I looked at the box score. Ohio State rushed for 323 yes. yards yesterday. Ouch. Okay. That that's a lot. Um. So they they made Michigan State's defense look pretty bad. But Ohio State's been making every defense they've played this year look really bad. So I'm not putting a whole lot into that, except that maybe Michigan State clearly is just not up to that level yet, which how many teams are up to that level right now? You know, there's maybe three or four teams in the country right. that are playing at Ohio State's level. So, I mean, we can sit here and say maybe Michigan State's not as good as we expected, but, you know, that's not saying they're not going to win nine or ten games this year in the Big Ten because I think they could still pull some upsets in their schedule. I, I'm fine with saying that Ohio State is on another level, but when you say that this defense was world-class and you still said it's one of the best in the country, no one should be able to put up 24 points in one quarter on you. So that's what they the, the the crown that they've been wearing of this elite defense. I'm metaphorically taking it off their head right now and giving it to Ohio State. They're a better defense. Yeah, that that's what's scary is Ohio State's defense. You know, for a while Ohio State's defense has been like you know good, not great, and their offense is well, amazing. Their Ohio State's defense this year is every bit as good as their uh, their offense. So that's they're looking pretty scary. Yeah, right now. I mean, I hate to always I hate to say it. You know, I mean. I remember the days, big-time days, when it was Michigan-Ohio State, head-for-head. One team would be better one year, one team would be better the next year. Talent-wise, they had the same talent. It's been long past. Ohio State has so far solidified themselves as a national power. You know, we're Wolverine fans. One of us roots for the Spartans, but it's just, it, it's terrible, you know, that Ohio State is so much better than everybody else in the Big Ten. I hate to say that. And I don't it's know, a joke. And I don't know when it's ever going to change. I, I like to say this. I don't know if when the next time Michigan's actually going to beat Ohio State, but oh, I feel like that, that's like the monkey that, that has to get off Michigan's back is, right. you know, they've been right there since Harbaugh has been hired, but obviously they then have gotten smoked at, you know, one time they lost in double overtime, so that you know there is that. But you know, like last year, they lost by like four hundred. Oh. So like, if they, I feel like if Michigan could beat Ohio State, like you said, Ted, uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever, they need to beat Ohio State at least like split with them. If right. they can get back to doing that, I think that's when things will start to turn. But right, when is that going to be? I yeah, I don't know. It doesn't look maybe good. ever. <laughs> maybe it's just time to. I mean, it's been what like fifteen years since it's really been like equally competitive, right? It might be time to just 
fold up yeah. shop, guys. Yeah. It's just not going to I mean, happen. what do you guys what do you guys think about Michigan State? I mean, we we were talking about it with Shea Patterson and Michigan's offense or whatever, just you know, kind of doing the same thing and trying to expect different results. I, I saw this stat and I, I looked it up too that since Michigan State won the Big Ten back in 2015, that that great year they had in 2015, they're 15 and 15 in the Big Ten and 21 and 21 overall. They're they're essentially a 500 football team. I mean, you know, D'Antonio hasn't made huge changes on his staff offensively or defensively. There used to always be that D'Antonio magic. I mean, and I was I was one of those. I thought they might go into Columbus and you know have some of that D'Antonio magic and, and hang in that game. I mean, is that gone? Like, is D'Antonio still one of the better coaches in the Big Ten, or is it really? Should they look themselves in the mirror and say it's time to make a change? We did brush over that. What a bad take that was from you, Matt. You said that Michigan State was going to win this game. Weren't you? What? Weren't you a little bit on that? Maybe not saying they were going to win, but didn't you say, Jared, that you thought Michigan State was going to play a great game? Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, You were you were talking about D'Antonio, and Matt brought it up, and uh, you kind of jumped on board and say that's the the kind of game game D'Antonio would win. Yes, I did say that, but I did not say that it's the kind of game. I didn't say that they were going to win. Which okay, I I paraphrase. I apologize for paraphrasing. (laughs) Yeah, Matt, I don't think he Matt actually Paul. said he thought they were going to win. No. He was just kind of I got you. saying he he was saying I'm not an idiot for saying that. Okay, <laughs> but I mean I I mean yeah I, I would def- I can own that that I I honestly thought that Michigan State would go in because I was curious to see Justin Fields against a, a really good defense. That was my biggest thing. And Justin Fields, he looked like he didn't care how good Michigan State's defense was. So what? So what's the biggest takeaway from the Spartan game? The Spartans' defense is not that good, or Ohio State is just tremendous. Or is it a little bit of both? I mean, I I kind of already said it, but mine is mostly that Ohio State is that good. Like I said, I mean, they look like they're one of the best. If they keep homing along, they'll be in the playoff in a few months. I I think Michigan State, like we've said before, they're an eight- or nine-win team. That's that's not like a terrible team. Ohio State is just that much better than everyone else in the Big Ten, at least right now. I mean, are they? I mean, now they they have to go face Wisconsin and Penn State, and Penn State and Wisconsin are back-to-back weeks. Right. I mean. The things could get ugly quick for Michigan State, but what the hell are they going to do with Coglin? I mean, this guy is off the rails. You just got to cut bait with this kicker. <laughs> Go with the Ovid Elsie kicker. Gotten... Go with the Ovid Elsie guy. That's what they oh, should uh... do. Coglin's your boy, though, right, Jared? I mean, you, didn't you like you you met him and you you got him to sign like a jersey or something? He's kind of your boy, right? <laughs> what? what are you talking about? <laughs> no, now I know how Ted feels with the paraphrase. <laughs> what? I don't even know where he pulled that from. No. no. Hey, if I, if, I, if, I, if I had it my way, keep Coglin kicking field goals because he's going to miss one when it really matters, when it really counts. It's coming. It was it was kind of funny, and it's not like to I, not to like take shots at them, but to see how excited they were when he hit the game winner last week or whatever, and then it kind of went all completely different yesterday when he missed a chip shot. Right. Kind of funny. He's definitely struggled this year. No doubt. Right, you guys got some more on college football before we move to the next segment? We were going to talk about it, I don't know, last week or the week before. but So after seeing Ohio State blow the doors off of Michigan State and, you know, Alabama, Clemson, these teams are still rolling. Do you still uh, – just a quick conversation. Do you still think, like, a four-team playoff is the way it should be or do you, do you think, it, like, an eight-team is where we should go? Because you'd be able to fit in Notre Dame, Oklahoma, maybe Wisconsin or something like that. Personally, I th- I would like to see eight. I can understand four. It, it's it, I can live with the four right now, but I would like to see eight. I think it would be more fun at the end of the year to have an eight-team tournament. How about you, Jared? I, I like it at eight or at four right now because I love how every week of college football matters. 
it's really the only sport that's like that, where every regular season game counts, every week counts. That's true. So that's I kind of like the way it is. I mean, I like college football in my mind is perfect, and that's why I, mean, I get nervous when I hear about. I mean, like it does and it doesn't. Like I'm not saying I'm against it. If like, like we're not saying that it's going to happen, but Michigan's got just absolutely trounced by Wisconsin. If they ran the table, they'd be in the college football playoff. So like that game really wouldn't matter. Say they didn't lose to Wisconsin, but they they lose to Notre Dame, an out of conference game, and then they win the Big Ten. They would probably be in the college football playoff. So, I mean, like they, well, every week does matter, but kind of it doesn't either because of the conference championship games. Yeah, but Michigan's probably in last year. And we saw what happened to them when they played Florida in the bowl game. So I don't know if you need eight. I, you really don't. I mean, we've had the same championship game the last, like, 20 years. Right. So I don't know if we need the eight teams to just end up with the same exact championship. I think if they stick with four, though, I mean, they got to do something different scheduling-wise. I mean, they got to, you know, these big conferences that are having the conference championship and the automatic qualifier getting in. I think they need to toughen up their schedule on the front end a little bit. Maybe play more Power Five conference, you know, matchups against other teams. At least one game a home and home. You know, get rid of the easy games at the beginning of the year. You know, I know there's. See, I, th- I don't agree. You don't agree because then we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose some of these smaller schools. I don't know about you. I like my action. I like the Conference USA. Uh-huh. I like the Group of Five teams. I enjoy watching those games. You like to see Back them play Alabama? Night. Is that what if you like you had, to watch? If you well, no, but they get a th- they get like a million dollars for those games, and that's what keeps these programs alive. Eastern Michigan would not have a football team if they didn't have that game every year. Hmm. No, I, I think it'd be like good to keep programs. like whatever you have four non non conference games. It'd be cool to keep like two of those, right? Stern, Citadel, you know, whatever. But yeah, I would love to see Alabama go up to I don't know, go all travel all the way to Oregon and play Oregon. Yeah, how exciting was Notre Dame, Georgia? You know, right, Notre Dame, Georgia. That was awesome seeing Georgia go up to Notre Dame. Right. I mean, I think they need to do that a little bit more of that. And I agree, Jared, not to completely wipe out the MAC schools and and the other smaller schools, but I think they need to to toughen up on at least one game non conference. You know, do a home and home. So that's my opinion. I, I'd like that as well. But I mean, when you when you're a Michigan team who loses to Notre Dame, it's probably going to lose to Notre Dame again this year. It's I can see why teams don't do it. I mean, why would you? <laughs> Well, that's what I mean by tweaking it. I, I would enjoy it more. It'd be more of a true test for the final four teams if they at least went through that battle, you know. It'd be interesting for sure. And speaking of Notre Dame, whenever I think of Notre Dame, you know, their head coach, Brian Kelly, he got his start at Grand Valley State. I know we, we tweeted it out. The So Grand Valley lost last night on a Hail Mary, a last second at the buzzer. Hail Mary in Allendale, Grand Valley lost. But the the sock call is what's been making all the news. Like it was in the <laughs> Sports Center top ten, and and like Barstool tweeted it out, and all that other kind of stuff. So what what did you guys think of that? You want to hear my take, Jared? I know. Yeah, you, go ahead and I, give yours. I, I know it'll be opposite, but uh, I, I I've been thinking about it, and almost makes me think the guy did it on purpose, you know, to get that pub. Because I mean, when you think about it, uh, end of the game, and this is how I operate. I mean, I've done I've been doing it for you know thirty some years, but. It doesn't matter if it's a team I'm rooting for or the opposing team. If it's the last play of the game and it's a Hail Mary that is completed, how can you make just a complete monotone call and say, it's caught, game over? I mean, when I think of end of the play Hail Marys, I think of Brent Musburger, Flutie, throwing it into the end zone, going completely wild. I mean, how do you make a call like that, Jared? Yeah, before you jump in, Jared, so for anyone that didn't hear it, he, you know, it was obviously the Grand Valley's 
play-by-play guy, right. not impressed with the Hail Mary that the Lakers just lost on. And what, what I first thought of, and I know, Ted, you definitely know him. I don't know if Jared does. The guy that used to be the play-by-play guy for the Chicago White Sox, Hawk Harrelson. Yeah. He was, he was that way, too. I remember multiple times seeing the Tigers walk off or seeing other teams walk off against the White Sox. Sometimes he wouldn't even say anything. Their sock calls of him, team hits a walk-off home run against the White Sox, he wouldn't even say a word the whole time that guy's trotting around the bases. Guy touches home, home and it would just be like, White Sox lose. So I, that's maybe a little extreme, but it, it was kind of funny to see. So 100% homer. I, I sort of understand. I remember Bob Eufer when I think it was an Iowa field goal kicker kicked a field goal, and Eufer says, it's up. Oh, my God, it's good. You know, it was it was at least some emotion on, on the other side that it pained him, but I don't know. Go ahead, Jared. All right, Jared, go ahead. So if you're listening on the radio right, and you're a Grand Valley State fan, diehard fan, do you want the guy you're listening to to lose his mind in happiness when that Hail Mary is completed? I mean, what do you want from him? I don't want him to lose his mind. I don't want him to lose his mind in happiness. I might might want him to say, the pass is up in the end zone. It is up. Oh, no, it's caught by (laughs) Ashland. That's That's what I would expect. This is the thing. When you are when you are watching a Grand Valley game, there's no one in the stands. I did see that. I saw that. It's like every, that's how they trick you. There's there it's it's packed for the first like quarter, then there's no one there the whole second half. But there's no one in the stands. It's raining. Grand Valley's playing a crappy team that they should be blowing out. They're playing sloppy. You have to watch this this whole time. Are you going to have the energy and the excitement to call that? It's not like this is. It's not like this is you know Alabama Clemson. Or Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, it's Grand Valley Ashland. Like, bring it down a notch. I, the last thing I want is someone who's just fake and acting like it's such an exciting moment. One, you couldn't even tell if the guy caught I'm impressed that he was able to nail that he caught it right when it happened. <laughs> because you, when you watch that video, you can't tell what's going on. It just goes in the middle of a pile. <laughs> and he, he called it right on the money that it was caught. Yeah, and I I'm guess... Fine with it. He's a homer. What, like, there, I know you say he should have some excitement there. You got no. to. I want somebody who's real. That makes me say, hey, this guy, he loves his Grand Valley State Lakers. There's a reason he's calling these games. That's just because he loves the school. Yeah. And Not I guess he, you're trying to, you know, make a theater out of it. He, he just loves his team. Yeah. And I already violated my, my promise that I'm not going to dog on Seriously. media people. That's pretty bad. So shame on me. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a side to it, too, that this is this guy's career. I think he's been doing it for a long time. So, I mean, he, he takes his craft seriously. So, I mean, you shouldn't just, like, look at it as, like, oh, this is just a Grand Valley State game. That's right. Which everything with the, with, with the approach, I guess, that it is Alabama-Clemson. I mean, whatever, whether this is episode 90 of Three Point Podcast or you're doing a national radio show on ESPN Radio, you should be approaching it like it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and... and, and okay, yeah, yeah. The guy who's missed seven of these recordings. <laughs> That's a good point, Matt. Now, I will answer it. Ted's lost the opportunity to answer it on that one. <laughs> Yeah. It all comes I full circle. I like that. That's a really good point, Matt. Oh, boy. Touché. Touché to that one. All right. Well, I will say this, and Matt had a good point there. What were you going to say before I, before I pretty much? Well, I was going to say that uh, I've been doing high school games for 34 years. This is the 34th year of football, 35 in basketball coming up, and I do high school games. I'm very happy to do high school. Could I have maybe pursued a career and gone farther? Who knows, you know, but never took that opportunity, settled in this area, settled with family. I'm happy as hell to do high school games, and every single game I do, and Jared, you've sat beside me before, I mean, I do my homework. Every football game, I do at least 
two to three hours of homework before I get to the stadium. I have spotter boards all completely filled out. I have stats. I have all kinds of information. And this is for high school f- football, right? I think guys do need to take some pride. And so what? It was a boring game. You just got to, you know, you got to suck it up. Now, if that's his style because he's a homer and that was the end of the game, then again, like I said, I apologize. That's that's cool. It's not my style, but and it's not most broadcasters' style. They usually would get excited in that situation, even if you're the home broadcaster, most of the time. Do you? How do you guys think? Do you think he's happy that that was noticed, or do you think like how do you think he's feeling? Today? I think he's happy as hell. I think so too. I mean, where else are you going to get no, on Barstool no and anywhere else? Pub. National? Yeah, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Absolutely. He's going to get a lot of interviews this week because of that. Without a doubt. All right, guys, Card Service Michiana offers the best credit card setup and equipment for both new and existing merchants, guaranteed to save you money. For more information, contact us at 3PointPod for details. Guys, quick entertainment tonight. Uh, as you know, I was out in New York City, and really the main uh, reason we went out there is my wife and Amy, we wanted to go see To Kill a Mockingbird uh, with Jeff Daniels. And we, you've heard me talk about it before. Jeff Daniels is one of those uh, season ticket guys for me. One of, the, one of the real, true, great actors in Hollywood right now, Hollywood and New York. So, you know, they did a remake of, of the book and the movie with Gregory Peck, To Kill a Mockingbird. Jeff Daniels played Atticus Finch. Uh, I got to tell you guys. Top notch. I, w- I would think he's probably for sure going to be nominated for a Tony, and, and I think he might win. I mean, it was that good. It was just outstanding. It was at a historic theater, the Schubert Theater, right there on Broadway, 44th Street. Tremendous production. Uh, a couple other standouts in it. Uh, do, first of all, do either one of you guys, did you read the book, see the movie? Yes. To, okay. So you know the background of the of, of what it was about, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm pretty sure isn't. Hasn't that been sold out for, like, did you have to buy those tickets, like, three or four months in advance? Oh, yeah. We bought them quite a while ago and kind of planned this whole vacation around it, to tell you the truth. Uh, the, the girl that played uh, Scout, you know, that's his daughter in the overalls and was kind of the narrator. She was played by a Detroit girl named Celia Keenan-Bolger. Again, fantastic. She may end up with a, with a Tony nomination. And then also another guy that was a standout, his name is Gideon Glick. He played Dill Harris, uh, Scout and her brother's best friend. Another another great performance. Aaron Sorkin, you're aware of Aaron Sorkin. He wrote the uh, adaptation from the book. Uh, he's famous for, for writing the scripts for The West Wing, Newsroom. Yeah, West Wing. You know, did, did you guys, by the way, Matt, being an ESPN guy, did you check out Sports Night when that was on TV? I didn't see, so I know what it is. I never watched it, though. You should check it out sometime. I wonder if it still holds up. It was, it was basically the story of ESPN and the anchors and what goes on behind the scenes. And, and Aaron Sorkin wrote that. Uh, Felicity Huffman was, was like a producer on that show. So mm-hmm. check it out. But it was well done. How did you, would you rather see like a movie or a play? Well, you know. <sighs> taking the money into account. Like, was it worth the money? Oh, taking the money into account? Because let me tell you, it was a lot of money. But, uh. Uh, I was thinking about that, Jared, actually, because the way they do it in Broadway, I mean, this is such a top-of-the-line production, the way they put it together. It's like you're watching a movie with live people in front of you. And, I mean, we had – let me tell you how good our seats were, okay? Here's my brush with greatness. Okay, we're, we sit down. Jeff Daniels! No, not – well, I'll tell you more about – 
I'll tell you more about Jeff Daniels, but but we sit down, you know, and it's almost time for the lights to go down. And over to my right, I happened to just catch out of the corner of my eye just before the lights went down. Here comes this guy and and this uh, this chick, and he has this baseball hat on. And I'm thinking, baseball hat. And I look closely, and I go, I, I leaned over to Amy and Lana, who were sitting right in front of me. And I go, I think that's Woody Harrelson. And sure as hell, four seats away from me, guys, Woody Harrelson watched the play. That's awesome. Yeah. It now, was, why were you no. – that's cool, but for some reason, the, what I take away from that story, why were you sitting behind them? Oh, because that's the way. Because <laughs> the, the, when my wife got the tickets, that was the that was the best setup. They didn't have three right together. Haven't you ever done that with ball? Well, yeah, I sat right behind them. What difference does it make? Haven't you ever done that at a ball game or something with a bunch of friends and you get two rows? I don't know. No. I didn't think it was weird, but it was fine. But what the other thing was, you know, these celebrities, they'll wear ball caps to kind of go incognito. I got to admit, it kind of almost worked. You know, I, I I looked and I thought I recognized him. And once he took the ball cap off, then it was a done deal. So that was That's cool. That's awesome, though. Broadway shows, you can't go wrong. I mean, it, it's Broadway for a reason. I went, I ended up, I've seen five or six shows on Broadway. Um, I mean, you have to do it, no matter what the play is, especially something like that. They're all great. Yeah, well... I give it top notch. I mean, it was it was just awesome to watch, you know. And again, Jeff Daniels. Afterwards, you know, you know, I did. We fanboyed it a little bit because you know it's it, it's quite common after a play, you go to the side stage door and they'll come out and they'll they'll say hello, you know, they'll sign your playbill. And we did it. He came out, and I will give Jeff Daniels a lot of credit. A lot of the actors came out, maybe did a quick token sign of one or two, and then scooted out of there. You know. I got better things to do. Jeff Daniels came out. He was the top star, without a doubt. He signed everybody's playbills there. He did not rush out. He was very cool. Lana had a picture. I don't know if you ever saw it, Jared. A picture of me interviewing Jeff Daniels at Tiger Stadium about circa 1990. And she held it out on her phone and showed it to him. And he kind of blew her off at first. You know, and signed a couple of things. Then he came back, and he, you could tell his voice was a little bit hoarse. And he said, that was very kind, very kind. So he acknowledged <laughs> her. So he said, thanks for, think, thanks for thinking of me. Were you about ready to cause hell on this podcast if he had just uh, blown off Atlanta? No, no, no. <laughs> you don't think if you would just – because if you remember – my dad hates LeBron James to this day, which I don't remember. <laughs> Apparently, he blew off me and my brothers when we wanted an autograph one day, his rookie year. So, Well, that stuff does stick with you. I mean, I remember back in the day, I'll tell you, man, things have changed big time from when I first started out in broadcasting business. I mean, I used to go down to Tiger Stadium and get interviews with players around the batting cage, you know. I remember some guys were just super, super cool, and there was a couple of dicks. I mean, Carlton Fisk. <laughs> Carlton Fisk was a complete jerk, you know, and uh, Lou Whitaker was also a jerk. So, you know, I, I still have these memories, you know, 25, 30 years later. I probably would have brought it up on the podcast if he would have completely blown her off, but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have held any real ill feelings. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, he's coming out and signing autographs to begin with. I mean, he can't sit there and, and uh, be friends with everybody. I feel like that's part of, like you said, mo- that does happen most of the time. I mean, unless maybe you're just big time and you don't like people. Right. But I feel like that's part of being on a Broadway show, right? Like it is. you understand that's kind of part of the deal. Yep, yep. And, he, you know, he, he didn't stick around that long. It, was, it probably took him 10 minutes, and he signed everybody's thing, you know. So it was cool. Uh, so anyway, that was awesome. It, that made the trip so worthwhile, and 
I'm going to look for anything I haven't seen Jeff Daniels in because it's just an absolute tremendous job. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, dialogue in an Aaron Sorkin script, and and he was flawless, so it was tremendous. One final thing on Entertainment Tonight uh, Television, another season. I, I got shows I watch every week. I'm just going to pinpoint one of them. Do you guys watch This Is Us? Nope. No. All right. Well, it's probably one for more older people, but I got to tell you, it is uh, it is definitely one of the best well-written drama comedies, however you want to call it, dramedy maybe. Uh, just absolutely incredible. And this season started off really well. Two two episodes in, it hasn't uh, it hasn't missed a beat. So this is us. High high praise by Ted from Ted Entertainment tonight. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people that do watch it, and I feel like everyone that watches it says they love it, and they also say they cry every episode. It's pretty tough not to. I'll tell you, they 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 hit home with a lot of different stuff in this family. So, this is us. Another good season. Nice. So you were watching this is us. Something I wish I was watching was Kansas's Midnight Madness, which you may have seen on Twitter. They had Snoop Dogg performing at at it, and more importantly. They had strippers and stripper poles, stripping very well, I might add. <laughs> and they had money guns shooting money around. And they even had a Snoop Dogg mascot uh, smoking a blunt. Now, I don't know about you guys. I used to go to the Midnight Madness at MSU every year, you know, for research purposes to see, you know, what Tom Izzo was cooking up over there in East Lansing. Uh, but I tell you what, I never saw anything that's quite as awesome as what they were doing. I mean, if I was hitting puberty when that was going on, I don't know what I would have. I would probably be the biggest Michigan State fan in the world if that had happened at the Michigan State Midnight Madness when I was there. Uh, the only thing that ever happened when I was at Michigan State, actually, and I think I've talked about this before, uh, they hung, like, a rape banner, like, slung it right over my head from the, from the like, top row. So a little bit different uh, experiences, as you can tell. But overall, what a scene it was at Kansas. Yeah, what a scene it was, and... Just, like, pretty wild, though, to think that, you know, Kansas, they just got busted by the NCAA for different recruiting and their sponsorship with Adidas and whatever else they got busted for. And to me, that was, like, almost the biggest middle finger to the NCAA that you could possibly do. I mean, if it was a professional program where the athletes are getting paid, the student-athletes, if we can still call them student-athletes, getting paid, I feel like it's completely different. But So Kansas always has a performer come to their Midnight Madness. So having Snoop there, just that alone, no problem, whatever. You know, they always have a performer come to their Midnight Madness. But at what point did, why didn't someone, when the stripper poles are being put up, when the money gun is coming out, (laughs) I mean, is the AD just over on the side of the court enjoying it, just loving it, eating it up, throwing singles at the girls, dancing? Or, like, at what point did they say, like, hey, I don't know if this is appropriate for college athletics. It's just like crazy. Yeah, and I can't really comment on everything. You guys saw the whole thing, right? I I just saw bits and pieces. But uh, first of all, I'm a huge Snoop guy. But to answer your question, Matt, uh, I cannot uh, I cannot believe that they let that let that happen. And it, something definitely slid through the cracks, you know. And I'm sure we're going to be hearing more about it, don't you think? I mean, yeah, the well, AD mean- already came out and issued an apology. He said like. They didn't know it was going to go that far. We apologize to anyone who's offended. Mm-hmm. But that, I, like, that's my point. When when you see the crew coming in with stripper poles, right? Are you not wondering like what what those poles that you're putting up? What's no. going on there? It's not like they put the stripper poles up during the show. Those those were up before the show started. Did they not think? Did they think they were just there to like shine some lights or something? 
it's just wild. If, if there's any guy, anybody in the world who I'd want to think that I'm cool, it's Snoop Dogg. So if I'm that SID or whoever is the athletic director, the last thing I want to do is tell him that he can't bring those stripper poles out because Snoop Dogg's just the coolest guy in the world, nicest guy in the world. The last thing I'd want him to do is dislike me. So I see why they didn't do it. I wouldn't want to do it. Screw it. I'll take the I'll take getting yelled at the day after if that means I'm cool in Snoop Dogg's book. Well, and I, the other thing is, I guess, if you followed Snoop, <laughs> you know what to expect. I'm surprised he didn't yeah, light seriously. up a big blunt. Right. He had a mascot, like he was going to go out there and just like, sit on a stool and strum a guitar. <laughs> Ted, do you, hey, I, Ted, would you have been like appalled during this, or would you maybe like pulled out a blunt of your own and let it rip? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, even though I'm old, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not with you guys. But uh, that would not appall me at all. <laughs> not personally, you know. Now, if I'm sitting there with my, let's say, four-year-old daughter, might be a little different story. I did. Like, do you think that? The, the strippers, do you think they were, like, students also, and they were able to use their name and likeness to make money off that? Oh, ho, ho. that's a whole other topic, huh? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Snoop Dogg has strippers that just go on tour with him. Yeah. Like, ride the tour bus with him all the time, which he is pretty he awesome. He didn't just go on Kansas' campus and, and hire some girls? I mean, he easily probably could have. Sure. <laughs> I, think, I think we should hand or handle the, uh, the pay-to-play in California thing at another time. But uh, that's a, that's going to be definitely changing the landscape, I think, in college sports. We'll see what shakes down with that one. Definitely be interested to see what happens. Yep. Well, I'm not sure Jack Strap went to the Snoop Dogg show, but I know he was at the Lion game against Kansas City that we talked about earlier on. He had a chance to uh, grab some quotes from some of the fans that were down there. And uh, Jack has some interesting opinions about uh, the Ford's ownership of the Lions. Let's go to our oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Matt, Fred, Jerry, how you guys doing? Miss you guys. Our lovable lines are on a bye week, and I thought it would be a good time to evaluate where we are heading under Martha and Coach Patty. First of all, guys, I believe we will continue to enjoy some success this year, assuming that Stafford stays off the disabled list. I predict the Lions will qualify for a wild card spot, only to lose in a lopsided payback loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, guys, I attended the last home game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I had a friend I used to work with over at uh, Fisher Body. His name was Phil Canise, and I decided to ask fans on behalf of the Three Point Podcast who was the primary source of blame for decades of ineptitude. For my comprehensive case study, guys, I interviewed dozens, if not a handful, of loyal Lion fans while searching for a bathroom stall or obtaining more beer. Let's take a listen to the fans who agree with me. It's ownership. Hey, my name is Jeff Humphrey. I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's definitely the management. They're at the top. They're the ones that buy the players. They're the ones that hire the coaches. And they're the problem. Fans have supported this team no matter what. And uh, we need to either stop supporting them until they're going to spend the right money. Or, I mean, something needs to change. How old is my name? And Hopper Woods. For one, I think the management has a problem of getting the good players in here to get the Lions to the next level. Paul Graham, uh, Cedar Springs, Michigan. Uh, it's definitely management. Uh, the way they've drafted, the way the coaching, 
Um, they just haven't followed through. They've had plenty of talent over the years with Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, and they just never put it together. Peter Schultz, Oxford, Michigan. It would be because management hasn't paid the money to get the key players. Fiddler from St. Clair Shores, and I'd probably say management is—they're uh, just not bringing in the right guys or, you know, the right coaches yet. Patricia's got some potential, but who knows? I mean, Patricia's got potential, but even then, he's a smart guy, but he hasn't proved much coaching-wise. So, you know, I'd say it's definitely management, maybe up to ownership, but I, I don't blame the players too, too much. Blue Hills, Michigan. James Masterson, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and the main reason the Lions haven't gone to the Super Bowl is management. Megan, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The main reason the Lions haven't gone to the Super Bowl is a lack of coach coordination between head coach, offensive, and defensive coordinators. Felipe Martinez, Wyandotte, Michigan, Wayne, the owner. John Martinez, Wanda, Michigan, I'm going to manage The Lions captured three of four championships in the 1950s under the ownership of Lyle Fife, not the Fords, believe it or not. And believe it or not, that Lions misery began on November 22, 1963. Why does that date sound familiar? Well, that's the day that JFK was assassinated in Dallas. William Clay Ford was officially named the new owner of the Lions franchise. Yes, since 1963, the Lions have shot themselves in the proverbial foot. We don't need a Zapruder film or a Warren report to see that the shots have been fired by more than one gunman. William Ford, Clay Ford, hell, let's just blame Henry Ford for showing the Lions how to build a car on the cheap while churning out an NFL dud year after year. Daryl and Charles Rogers, Joey Harrington, Matt Millen, Marinelli, just to name a few, and those aren't my favorite dishes or my favorite coaches. And every time the Lions hire an incompetent general manager or coach, the joke is on us, guys. I can hear him right now in the board meeting. Okay, guys, looks like we're making a lot of money on this lion investment. And uh, this franchise continues to climb in uh, revenue and value despite our horrible strings of losing seasons. Well, the fans are begging us for a new coach. Hey, let's hire a coach on the cheap. And let's stay away from proven winners. They cost too much. And besides, every three years, if and when we replace the coach because the fans are crying for a new one, the fans will keep coming, hoping against hope that the coach will somehow be a messiah. What fools? <laughs> Matt, Fred, Jerry, us Lion fans are truly the best. We are loyal, and that loyalty has contributed to our demise. Why was the Ford Tempo discontinued after 10 years? I'll tell you, people stopped buying them. If Tempo fans kept buying, trust me, we'd see a Tempo on the dealership lot today. But as long as we support this lion model, we will stink. We deserve and must demand a Ford Lincoln. 
From what I hear, guys, 93-year-old Martha Ford is a fixture at games and regularly attends the team practices. We better hope and pray at this point that, like other wealthy widows, she takes her love and skill for shopping at the mall and applies it to investing wisely for what we, the fans, deem as successful, a winner. We're not looking for a Super Bowl team year in, year out. We'll take that, though. But at least a team that has a fighting chance to do some playoff damage. And yes, perhaps win the big one. Why not? Before I die. Otherwise, Martha, please, please, I'm begging you, sell this profitable toy to someone who is smart enough to know that money spent wisely can actually make more money. See Chicago Cubs and Theo Epstein. Gotta go, guys. Bye. All right, guys, that'll do it for now. Subscribe and rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all the others. Follow and send your comments to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 3PointPod. Support our 3Point Podcast partners, Main Street Pizza, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, and Pro Mac Engineering. Be sure to check out our friends at Sports Radio Detroit and Z92.5 The Castle. And Jared, listen to this closely, okay? This has been a three-point podcast production in cooperation with Sportsnet Michigan and WJSZ Radio. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast.